Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello. My name is Mark. Incredible privilege to share the Word of God this morning. But Easter for myself is a bit of a dark time. I was the youngest of four kids with three older sisters, and the Easter eggs would arrive and they would leave without me ever seeing them. Somehow, miraculously, either my mother or my three sisters would get to them. So Easter has some dark memories of childhood moments. And, and it was that crazy time where people do crazy things. Like when you're 15 years old and all your friends go, let's walk around the city and one of us is going to carry a cross and we're all going to walk with them. And you are dealing with every insecurity just because of some pimples on your face. Now they want you to walk around town and attract more attention than ever. And every insecurity is rising and you feel a little bit more like the disciples before Jesus got crucified than the disciples after. Is that just me? These are my memories of Easter. And um, we come this moment together to celebrate the King of Kings. On Wednesday night, I, I had been f- finished some work and taken a moment out with my wife to watch a movie, and we watched a movie. It had Russell Crowe in it. Now, if you're a guy and you watched Gladiator, you pretty much have to watch every Russell Crowe movie. It's kind of the rule. You have to. But this wasn't Gladiator. This was called The Next Three Days. And here's the plot. There's a husband and a wife, and life is good. And she gets accused of a murder and stuck in jail for three years and finds herself depressed and wanting to commit suicide. And the husband has one option to keep his family together. It's to break her out of jail. And the story unfolds as this very average man goes on this amazing journey to get his wife out of jail and take their son and, and go along this journey of getting her free. See, his bride was convicted of a guilt she wasn't guilty of. She was put away by law courts that proved her guilt, and yet she was innocent. I love, I love, I love rescue missions and stories of rescue missions. And Easter is just the story of a father who wants his children back. That's all Easter is. It was there before the start of time. It will be there till the end of time. It's this greatest rescue mission that there ever is. The father wants his children back, and the bridegroom paid a price for his bride. Romans 3 says this, The righteousness is given through faith, this righteousness, the righteousness that is from Jesus, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says all. It means every single one. It means every single person. I I might not have been a drug addict on the streets in and out of jail. Walked from Goodwood to town. I might never have walked those steps. But my Bible says, and the reality is, I know every person falls short. We all fall short of the law. We all fall short of the morals. We all fall short. I'm amazed. I have three little boys. Yes, pastor's kids. Now you're already thinking, I'm amazed how they just slip into things like hitting their brother for absolutely no reason. There was no reason. They will hit their brother. I'm amazed I will be sitting in the TV lounge just watching the little one maneuver the chair closer to the cupboard, jump up on top as quietly and stealthily as he can, get up to the Easter eggs and start stealing Easter eggs when he knows all he has to do is just ask. 
It's amazing. I'm amazed how I go and I snuggle my boys in the middle of the night and I put my arms around them for my hand to go under their pillow and I found cash that used to be in my wallet now <laughs> under their pillow. I'm amazed. It's incredible. I thought, Lord, what is going on here? But it's not that amazing when we understand that we all fall short. The more biblical term is sin. It was handed down to us. It was handed down to us from our forefathers, from Adam. See, I got handed down from my dad a full head of hair. My dad is 78. He has a full head of hair. But actually, I got handed down something much bigger than that. It says in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. The message says it this way. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. It's like, this is a dilemma. Thanks, Adam. It's this dilemma that actually, I do what I don't want to do. I step into areas I steal when I don't want to from the cupboard for Easter eggs. And yet the reality is the gospel says, no one is exempt from that journey. That's what God handed, got handed down. And we like to believe it's a morality issue. It's the world. It's just got a moral issue. But the truth is, it's a sin issue. It's a sin debt, and it has to be paid. Our sin debt, individually, is far greater than any country's national debt could ever be. Romans 3, all have fallen short. So the demand, so there's a price to be paid. See, that guy who you stole from and, and in those days, who made a decision to love and extend grace, that guy paid a price. His stuff was gone. He probably had to go replace the microwave, replace all the stuff in the fridge. Someone had to pay a price. There's always a price to be paid. I think sometimes we like to think, well, the price just goes away. No, the price doesn't go away, and it cannot be paid with money. It cannot be paid with community service. It cannot be paid with time. It cannot be paid with goodwill. There are no more animal sacrifices anymore. Leave the chickens and goats alone. It can only be paid with blood. Maybe you think like, what is this church? They've closed up the windows on Good Friday. Why is it called good? Because it wasn't a great Friday. Because at the center of Good Friday is blood. The blood of Jesus. The only payment that could satisfy the wrath that needed to be poured out on me. The perfect blood of the perfect son for the guilty blood of the guilty sons. Into the cross, the biggest blockbuster, blockbuster. You thought taken, you know the one where Liam Neeson? It's not that one. I watched that movie and my arms were stuck to the armchairs of the movie cinemas. I got so pumped. You thought Taken was a movie. Easter is about the blockbuster of God on a story. And it's not about a father embarrassed by his kids. Oh, look at them messing it up again. Let me do something to intervene. It's not what Easter is about. We often do that with our kids. We're a little bit like, shucks, look at them messing. I'm going to intervene. I'm going to discipline. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to pay a price just to cover over. We want to do that sometimes because it's more about us. Easter is about crazy, wild, passionate love that paid a price, that hurt, and was costly. The plan of Easter was bloody and barbaric. It's why most will struggle with Easter. Easter comes and people go, I cannot fathom a father sending his son to die. Why are the windows black today? 
W.H. Auden says this, Christmas and Easter can be subjects for poetry, but Good Friday, like Auschwitz, cannot. The reality is so horrible, it is not surprising that people should have found it a stumbling block to faith. A stumbling block to faith. You know the hardest thing? Some of you won't believe it, but I used to be a lifesaver. Imagine that. On the beaches of Durban, the hardest person to save is the person who doesn't know they're in trouble and won't accept they're in trouble. It's the hardest person to save. You're going further out and you're in trouble. No, I'm not. I'm fine. It's the same for us. And Easter Friday in this moment is the, is the understanding that this, at the center of the Easter story, is the cross, a rescue mission out of love. So the problem is this cross that you would see mostly on the necks of believers and often a, a, a kind of good luck charm. If I wear the cross, I'm going to be fine. Or it's tattooed on the arms of rock stars because that's the thing to do. It's become like religious jewelry that we wear that somehow if we have it on us, around us, near us, there is this, it's going to go better with us. It's been watered down to something so small, something so free, something so cheap. It's not the cross of Jesus. And uh, there's this idea that the cross was kind of this afterthought. I want to tell you that the cross was always along in the mind of God. Christ, the Jesus we sing of, the Jesus whose grace and love we receive, was born to bleed. He was born for the cross. He came of his own free will. Not to be born a man and that be the end of the story. He came to die. That's Good Friday. Welcome to it. But the main question for us is not who sent him to the cross, because that question is easy. Me and you and our sin and all the sin of mankind for all time. We did that. That question is easy. The real question we've got to answer is what did the death of Jesus bring about for humans? I don't know where you stand today, your belief systems, what drives your life, but what did that action on that cross do for you today? Maybe you'll say it did nothing. I want to tell you that you were always in a sight. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. What was handed down to you, sir or ma'am? From Adam, sin, handed down, yes. What about guilt and shame and disappointment? So I got a friend. On his fourth birthday, asked his dad for a present. What he got was a broken nose because his dad punched him. Years later, his dad thought he'd teach him another lesson. And he was standing on a high wall, and his dad said, jump to me. And he jumped, being a kid, thinking, I can trust my dad. I need to break his arm as he hit the ground. And his dad told him, never trust anyone. See, I got to meet that man later, years later. And I got to take him to this scripture. I said, you know what got handed down to you from a broken man? Let me tell you what got handed down to you from your Father in heaven. But with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. See, the plan wasn't 
Well, we need to make a plan now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we've got to come up with a plan. No, Jesus was chosen before the sake of the world, before the foundations of the world, other translations say, and actually only revealed at the cross, always in the hearts of God. Through him you will believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. What got handed down to you, sir or ma'am? The shouting, the accusations. Easter's not about Easter bunnies or Easter lunches. It's about eternity and a price paid that we could not pay. And I've just got three simple points today. And they build on each other because we're trying to go simple today. We're trying, I want to make the gospel as simple. The gospel's simple. It's not complicated. That's why the most accessible way into the gospel is most often a testimony. This is my story. This is what it is. Take it or leave it. But this is what it is. The gospel is a take it or leave it, simple, not complicated story of love that was passionate, that was not limited or hindered. It definitely wasn't small. Point number one, the blood speaks. Today in forensic science, well, forensic science tells us that blood has a voice. Just look at CSI in New York, CSI in Miami, CSI. Every city in America seems to have their own CSI. We should have CSI Durban. It'd be amazing. And people run off to doctors who put blood, little tiny specks of blood on a microscope, and they look through the microscope, and after five minutes of going, mm, ah, mm, ooh, they look at you and tell you everything you know. You're stressed, you need more sleep, and you really should buy my vitamins. Sorry, I've got a little thing here. And um, DNA is used to prove, well, is he your son or isn't he your son? Is this your father? Is this your brother? Years later, the blood speaks. People's presence at a crime scene proves that they were there just because a speck of blood that they didn't even know they lost is there. The blood speaks. Years ago, I, at the age of 32, against the counsel of my doctor, I went around my doctor to a specialist and had my tonsils out only two days later to have a major bleed out. And I'm not a blood guy. I'm just not that guy. I I watch Grey's Anatomy kind of like this. If they're doing blood or like one of those, I'm like, I'm not that guy. But blood came out and out and out. And I lost six to seven, or they ended up putting back in six or seven pints of fresh frozen plasma in my blood. But you know what my blood screamed? Is you're lacking health. For three months I was anemic. For about three weeks I could literally only lie on a couch. I could do nothing else. And it wasn't man flu. It was my blood crying out that we need life. We need life. The substitute that you keep throwing at us, the substitute that you're plugged into our system that has no life to it, is not life. We need life. And there's a powerful story of two brothers, Abel and Cain. The first brothers. And uh, they were the sons of Adam and Eve. They were, sin was already in the world. And as a result of the sin, it says Cain despised his brother. He brought better offerings. He seemed to always do things better. So the scene plays out. And it's scary because we look at this situation and there wasn't even the influence of the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Tinder, all the things we love to blame our kids' naughtiness on. It's like the world we live in. No, this happened before there was any of that stuff. But it was dusk and Cain was working late. Because why? He was working hard because he was trying to cover over his sin. What had he done? He'd killed his brother. 
says this in Genesis 4. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? It's kind of like the best way to defend yourself is to attack. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. See, blood doesn't just speak. Blood cries out. It's loud. When blood is spilt and it runs on the earth, the earth pulls it in. It cries out. And God is talking to Abel. He says, Cain, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. The challenge is we always think we can control the effects of our sin. I don't know about you, but if no one finds out, who does it hurt? If no one gets it, who does it hurt? And we always think, well, if I just control this little thing, and I'm telling you, we cannot control sin, because sin is like blood that runs on the ground. It gets into every crevice. It gets hidden away for one day the forensic scientists to come and dig it up. And they bring their little scratchy thing, and they scratch in the crevice of your room, and look what I found. That's what the law does. Look what I found. Point number two. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And it carries on in Hebrews 12, and it's referring back to Abel as a type, a first martyr of faith, a first martyr of, 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 of religion. And it comes, he calls him and he says, You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel that went out. See, in this story, when I read Cain and Abel, I love to think I'm Cain. I'm Abel. Let me get that right. I'm the innocent brother. I'm the one who pleased God. I'm the one who always got it right. And obviously, it's the other guy just happened to be pointing at Rion, not for any particular reason. But it's the other guy who must be Cain. But I think we get that wrong. See, I'm Cain all the time. It's always my sin. It's always my acting upon that thing outside of Jesus. And what was Cain after he killed his brother? It says he was cursed and he was alienated from God. See, what was Abel's blood crying out? Justice! Vengeance! When that blood seeped into it, it said, I was murdered, and that blood will be evidence one day to prove that my brother killed me. Abel's blood exposed. It exposed exposed his brother Cain. It exposed his sinfulness, his brokenness, his wretchedness. See, blood generally exposes. We have that saying, we got blood on our hands. That business relationship that didn't go well, it's blood on our hands. That marriage that ended so poorly, it's blood on my hands. That stuff I stole from that person's house, it's blood on my hands. Why? Because blood doesn't lie. The blood never lies. And the guilty are always revealed through blood. But the gospel reveals to wash away sinful blood, you've got to only use sinless blood. To wash away guilty blood, the only answer to that story is guilt-free blood. Guiltless blood. The only way to wash off broken blood is with healing blood. See, Abel was a shepherd, but our shepherd came to die for his sheep. Abel died a violent death at the hand of a relative. Christ died a violent death at the hand of a nation. 
his own nation. The blood today, whatever and for whatever reason where you came today, whether it was the Easter lint bunny or the hot cross buns afterwards, the blood of Jesus is the center of the gospel. The gospel you believe in, the gospel you put your faith in, at the center of that story is blood that was spilt. And we don't like it. We live in a sanitary, sterilized world. We're not used to blood. The blood of Jesus is the pivot of God's salvation plan and the heart of the gospel. Romans 7 says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I don't know about you, if you ever get there, you're going, and this is what he's doing. He's saying, I don't know why I did that. Why did I shout at that guy in the traffic? Why did I get loud with my wife? Why did I shout at my kids? Why did I try steal from the tax man? Why, why, why? I don't know why I did that. I am a wretched man. That's where sin takes us. It doesn't matter how small. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. How does Jesus deliver us? He speaks a better word. When the world is shouting and the evidence of my blood on my hands is shouting guilty. His blood speaks a better word. And my last point, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word forever. The blood keeps speaking. The blood never runs out of value or power. The blood wasn't for that moment when you stuck your hand up in church. Oh, I needed the blood then, but then I was washing. The blood washes me every day. As the enemy creeps trying to pull me back into a story that isn't me, the blood keeps washing as I keep calling and I keep remembering. And I want to read from Hebrews 10. I realize there's been a few scriptures today. But day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can take sins, never take sins away. We do this every day. We are the priest of ourselves. And we try to offer sacrifices. We work harder. We serve people more. We give to the poor. We do all these things sometimes. But unless it is Jesus, all that never results in sins being washed away. But when this priest, who is this priest? It's Jesus. Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You've given your life to Jesus, maybe years ago. You're saying, but I'm not holy. No, 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 you're perfect. And you're being made holy. He's that committed to keep washing, to keep taking away. To keep stripping off the lies that would keep shouting. His blood has met every single claim of God on man. See, God is holy. He can't commune with anything slightly sinful. Anything God can't. And Jesus says, we know that, so I'm going to come. I must satisfy every claim. Maybe there are claims against your life. Maybe... Maybe sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night remembering that TV you stole. You think, what if they came after me? Legitimate claim. He has perfected them forever. 
See, we think, tend to think of blood and the blood of Jesus. We think of death. Today's not about death. Today's about what is coming. Today's about the fact that life pours out. Today is about blood that was spilt so life could flow. Today is the, the, the life infusion, the blood infusion of heaven, not some fresh frozen plasma. Religion gives you that. Religion says, actually, if I just go get my shot from church, if I just get my shot from my religious duty, you get fresh frozen plasma and you wonder why you feel like an anemic Christian. Oh, this is so hard. No, when we get the blood of Jesus that has poured in, that pours into my veins, it is life that flows and life that calls me into relationship with the Father. That was always the big goal. Fred Barlow says this, the cross of Christ shows us that God's love is of deepest descent. You think your blood has gone places that God cannot get to, that man could scratch away? No, it gets to deepest descent. Universal distribution and of eternal duration. That is why we worship today. One scripture and then we finished. Isaiah 53 says this, Yet he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as his sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The Bible says it was the Father's will to crush him. Why? Imagine taking my little boy's head. I went to his room last night and I hugged him. But imagine taking his head and crushing it. It's what the father had to do. Why? Because the weight of your guilt and shame and sin outside of Jesus would have crushed you. Why do people with millions and billions in the bank jump off buildings? Because guilt and shame crush us. But I asked this question, why did he go? Why didn't he open his mouth? Why didn't he cry out? You know why? Because the blood keeps crying out. On that cross he shouted, Teta Lesta, it is done, it is finished, completely complete. And yet those voices went silent. You know what keeps shouting, Teta Lesta? You know what keeps shouting, it is done? The blood of Jesus that keeps washing stories like that and stories like your Sarisha. The blood of Jesus that never loses power. The blood of Jesus that so deeply washed down that cross into the soil of this earth and keeps being accessed by sinners like myself so that I can become a son of the living God. That is the gospel. That is why we worship. That is why we sing. That is why we gather. That is why we marvel and we wonder and we come to the cross and we remember. And it grips me again and I realize I am just a sinner who blood was paid and poured out. And he didn't need to shout or scream. He was quiet. Why? Because the blood keeps shouting. 2,000 years later. Today we remember. As we have communion together. The blood speaks. The blood speaks a better word. And the blood speaks forever. Can I ask the band to come up and can I ask us to close our eyes just for a second? We're going to have communion together and I would invite everyone to this table. If you're not a member of this church, that doesn't matter. If, if, I would tell you that you can receive the grace and the blood of Jesus today. I want to ask you a question. What words are speaking over you right now? 
if today was a court and the judge of eternity was here, how would your life rack up? What would they see? I want to tell you, outside of Jesus, I would fall very, very short. Outside of Jesus, I have failed my wife. I have failed my kids at times. I have failed this church. I have failed my friends. I have failed everyone. I have failed my parents. I have failed myself. Outside of Jesus, I'm never enough. Outside of Jesus, I keep falling short. I keep doing what I don't want to do. And that guy cuts me off in the traffic and I go, ah. But I'm not outside of Jesus. He clothed me with his blood. A robe of righteousness covers my sin and shame. And when the father looks at me, he sees Hebrews 10. I am perfect. I'm on a journey to be made holy. And the things that I keep getting wrong, I I will learn to get right as I push into him. But when the father, the judge of eternity, looks at me, he sees Jesus' perfection. And he says, my son, who's your defender today? What is shouting over your future today? There's only one rescue mission that ever will account and affect into eternity. It's the blood of Jesus. I don't know why you came today. I doubt it was for the hot cross buns or the coffee. Maybe, there's, maybe all of this is just for one person to receive the grace, the blood, the life of Jesus. Maybe you're sitting next to your spouse and all you feel is guilt because you know you've let them down. You don't have to feel guilt anymore, sir. Maybe it's your spouse who knows stuff that no one else knows. Maybe you know stuff no one else knows. That's why we have the cross. That's why His grace is enough. You could accuse me today, Mark, you're a hypocrite. I wouldn't argue with you. But I would tell you about Jesus. Who is the only reason any of us can stand guilt-free, stain-free, free. free. 